You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the third episode of the TV series 11th Hour, entitled Cryptos. Had those switched in my brain. (laughs) Episode synopsis. Richard Adams is a man who likes to walk on the beach, study shells, talk to himself, and run away from would-be assassins. He also happens to be formerly one of Ian Hood's best friends. They fell out over Adam stealing Hood's girlfriend, Jillian. Adams is a brilliant climate scientist or paranoid crank, depending on to whom you listen. He believes that he has damning evidence of global warming. He also believes that his former employer, Paul Destrano of the Environment Institute, wants to discredit his work and have him killed, because if published, Americans will have to give up their cars. Unfortunately, that work is locked up on a computer back at the Environment Institute. Hood visits Destrano, who explains about Adam's breakdown. He also speaks with his former colleague at the Environment Institute, Martin Godley, who dismisses Adam's work as mostly a rant. On the down low, he slips Hood a note asking for a clandestine meeting. He claims to have only dismissed Adam's work in the hopes that he'd take some time off, relax, and and get better. It is, however, clear that Martin lives in fear. Adams tries to get his work published at Baxter Scientific, but without the key data, Baxter must refuse. After a refusal from another journal, Adams kills himself. He leaves puzzles behind for Hood, and when he starts to crack them, he gets a call from Martin, who is willing to give Hood the data. When Hood goes to meet him, Destrano is there instead, warning Hood that he'll prosecute to the fullest extent of the law if Hood comes into possession of Environment Institute's proprietary data. Also, Martin has been fired. Later, Martin is murdered in such a way to make it look like an accident. Rachel breaks into the Environment Institute and steals the data. But it's encrypted! Curses foiled again! Someone has broken into Hood's home and left a cryptic clue. Rachel chases this up while Hood cracks the encryption password. Rachel finds that Adam staged his own death and that Hood shouldn't run the computer program because the Environment Institute will immediately be able to track him down and know what he's doing. Unfortunately, that warning comes too late and Destrano's goons are after him. When Hood sees the data, it's devastating. Global warming is going to cause sea level rise and lots of people are going to get their feet wet. This is the proof the world needs to get real climate action now. If only Hood can survive to get that data published. He sets up some real secret agent stuff by handing off the data to Baxter on a bus, and then Destrano confronts Hood. Things look like there might be another dead scientist, but Rachel shows up and stares them down. The data is published. Destrano and the Environment Institute are embarrassed, and the world, confronted with a heretofore completely unexpected revelation about global warming, immediately leaps into action, saving the planet for generations to come. Or... You know, they just talk about it on the news. The end. I, I just want to say that I, I the credits on this one look a little different. So there's like an extra guy in this mix. There's the usual Stephen Gallagher and uh, Steve uh, Simon Stevenson, who, uh, if I'm correct, that's the the creator and the producer, right? Who were you mentioned were kind of at odds. Uh, Simon Stevenson is is the um, producer. Yeah, and. I, I I mean we we are I'm pretty sure we are looking at the same thing. It's not it's not Gallagher. It's Mike Cullen. See, I, that's what I'm looking. I'm looking at Wikipedia, and it's Gallagher, Stevenson, and Cullen. So I assume Cullen is the actual guy that brought this script in, and that the others it, it, have it, a the, the, have a hand. The credit in it. the credit is Mike Cullen and Simon Stevenson. Oh, okay. No Gallagher at all. All right. No Gallagher at all. They have it wrong well, on Wikipedia, but big shock there. Not, <laughs> not, not. I mean, I'm just going by what the credits say, and uh, you know, the credits give the usual created by William Gallagher, uh, Stephen. Gallagher. IMD, IMDb Sorry. gives it to all three as well. But yeah, 
Yeah, I know. Stevenson, Simon, Stephen well, Gallagher. It's it's too much of a mess there. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> but, it's 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 perfect. It's perfect. I mean, this is the this is the issue with uh, you know trying to watch something at the same time avoid spoilers. I don't know any of the background around this, and it's perfectly possible that there is a story behind what actually ends up on screen in terms of the on screen credit. So, looking at but, looking at what we see as the audience, we are told it's written by Mike Cullen and Simon Stevenson. But okay. in previous episodes, only credited Stephen Gallagher. And like I say, reading a little bit around that, it does appear that Simon Stevenson as the producer has got involved in doing some of the rewrites. So I don't know why Stephen Gallagher is credited on this one, but there Could may be a story behind it. it. Yeah. So I can envision this scriptwriter's pitch, though. I mean, I, I can hear this in my mind. Right. I can see the writer, Cullen, let's use color, but whoever is the one that came with this pitch says, I've got this great story about a scientist trying to get a paper on global warming published. And the script editor says, can you get 70 minutes out of that? And the writer says, hell yeah, if I throw in a love story of lost love, jealousy and betrayal, I can stretch it to 71. Uh, and... I don't feel he succeeded. <laughs> but okay. What did you think of this story? This feels like a different show to me. I I it's it's kind of um it's the standard eco thriller thing. I mean, I feel like I've seen the whole thing before, although I can't put my finger on exactly what, but Was wasn't this are... uh, Doom Watch the Winter Angel? I did think about that. I did think about Winter Angel because, because in, in a way, it's it's that far removed from it in the in the sense that the first couple of episodes of this are very much about. That I, I mean, I do think there's a slightly different slant from Doomwatch, but essentially, it is the idea of our leads being, or our lead in this case, really being a trouble uh, a government troubleshooter who is looking into the misuse or the misapplication of science in terms of uh, cloning or in terms of you know essentially the the the, the careless use of um the the, the careless use of uh, or store careless storage of um the the smallpox yeah. virus and i think there's the, you know the slightly different slant i'm beginning to to get a sense of is is that what they're trying to do with it is very much highlight the fact that it's not the science that is the problem here it's actually that the good the using using the science well and be and being responsible in using the science is important to avoid a kind of public or political backlash that would mean that uh, you would lose the, the benefits of, for example, the stem cell research in relation to the first episode, or being able to properly plan for an epidemic in the in the second episode. And I think I'm not saying that's something that was absent from Doomwatch, but Doomwatch was a little bit more doomy, I guess. And mm. so there there is there is almost a kind of agenda here. Um, you know, the 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 science scientists are the good guys but there's there's something slightly more subtle going on in episodes one and two and then this is just that standard story of you know the scientists are straight up the good guys trying to be shut down by a essentially a kind of conspiracy of oligarchs who who yeah who stand to 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 personally lose if information that the scientists have discovered is made available to the public so and you know so that's the that's the straight up this is this is this is going to be a thriller with you know a a secret that our guys have to get out there and the antagonists will do anything they can to shut it down and it's very kind of open and shut and the problem with it that i have um apart from the fact that it is it feels terribly unoriginal and it doesn't seem to take any well, yeah. interesting choices with the way it tells its story. It's also to do with the fact that it it doesn't appear that anyone well, that there was anyone involved in the production who understands how I've touched on this before. They didn't they don't seem to understand how science works. And what I've said before is 
we get in Patrick Stewart's character a scientist who says he does science, but we get to see him actually doing science very little. And in this, I think the issue runs much deeper because, I, I mean, I, I, I'm i not an expert. I, I don't kind of work in the STEM field. So maybe it's very different from the way things work in terms of social science research being published in social science journals. <laughs> you mean you can't just slip the stuff to a publisher and they'll they'll publish it just like that? You know? it, well, it's the it's the idea. So it, at one point, uh, what's his name? I've forgotten the the character's name. Um, Which one? The the guy who's still working at the institute, but who oh, was a friend Godly. of Adam's. God, Godly, that's it. Uh, that's that's so, their uh, that's their God link in this episode. Okay, you know, they, they didn't so, have any so, Jesus imagery or anything, so they went with the God, name Godly, I guess. Godly Godly claims that he submitted a, a paper to a journal, and that something else was published. <laughs> and oh yeah, I I I need I need more to explain how that conspiracy works because. That's not as simple as it sounds. If you've got editor on that journal who, you know, t typically journals are edited by academics and every paper will be peer reviewed by academics. Right. So it's not it doesn't all sit within the, the gift of the publisher. I publish this or I. And this this episode appears, as far as I can tell, to suggest that it just comes down to that one person the publisher yep but and and so that's a kind of black box process but that's not how science works and because of all these other people involved and there's a whole separate controversy over the fact that you know the publishers then lock that data up rather than making it open access or you know certainly until recently it was that that was very much the norm right. um and they and they use the free labor of all these academics and then the universities have to subsequently still pay to access the data that their staff have produced but you know leaving all of that aside it's still the case that a whole bunch of people are involved in the process of reviewing and editing and bringing a paper in a journal to publication and i'm and guessing so, that's not a thing that happens between yesterday and today either no, no, absolutely not. I mean, it's it's <laughs> months. it's it's a process of of many months, and that that in itself is obviously an issue. But it, the you know the value of it is that when the research comes out, it has been it has been That's scrutinized it. by a, a a essentially a panel of the 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 author's peers who can actually validate those those results, and and if the paper is not up to scratch then they will reject it or they will send it back for review and resubmission and the the point about all of this is that there are so many people involved in this process i mean it's not it's not like you you can't have se sensitive data and sensitive results but there are enough people involved do you think actually a conspiracy of silence around this would involve a huge amount of of care and planning and basically nobbling a whole bunch of people and who you wouldn't necessarily know in advance you were going to be able to nobble so yeah it's it it, it is problematic and, and problematic on the level of uh the other journal was nature nature world or something like that uh i don't have it written down here right in front of me but in that's the journal that, that, that Martin Godley says, I submitted a paper to them and they changed, World Nature, and they changed it. And nothing comes of that other than we're supposed to kind of get a dun-dun-dun moment. And then we see that, uh, that Adams has submitted a paper to them and they send him what looks like a rejection letter to uh, an author of a novel. Well, thanks for your manuscript, but we're not yes. going, we're rejecting it at this time. And nothing, very little comes of any of that. I mean, in particular that. And then the whole part with Baxter, where he literally takes, well, first off, Adams goes to Baxter and drops off and shows him an equation and a bunch of encrypted crap, which just demonstrates that Adams is, is you know, insane. And he looks at the equation. He's like, well, that's a fascinating equation. 
as if he's a climate scientist that could just look at the equation and derive something from it, which is kind of hard to believe. But <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, I mean, maybe it's I don't know what the equation is because we never really get there. But without the unencrypted stuff, uh, you know, uh, tough, tough noogies. And it's just it. Yeah, all of that's bad. I it, it it's bad and it does it does it does feel like again it's kind of the, the these are the kinds of things that scientists as supposed it's the kind of popular view of scientists yeah. all of the comp, the complicated formulae and there is to give the to give the script credit there is a point at which patrick stewart makes a distinction between i i i think uh, i think ashley jensen says something about it being a, an equation and he says it's a formula so yeah. At least, at least they make that distinction because there is this tendency to just call everything an equation, even if it doesn't have uh, even, uh, two, you know, two sides to it. And I'll give them credit for that. But thank you, still feels... thank you. Though I'm just going to say thank you for being pedantic and correcting me without saying it, because <laughs> I know that, I just well, called it an equation, didn't I? Well, the, 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 there may have been an equation at some point, but the. <laughs> The, I I I think I think that even when they put that in, when they're talking about in that instance a formula, it just feels like, yeah, okay, someone's cast their eye over this and and they've said, well, hang on, that that's that's a formula, not an equation. That okay, was their we'll science that. expert, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's their science. I think it's their. I think the. I think maybe the issue is the science expert coming in at the last minute and maybe trying to do some fixes and the the difference i guess is that you've got in doomwatch kit peddler involved in the whole conception of the story and stories you know the and and i i i do think i I agree i i do think that makes a difference because otherwise you end up with basically standard bog standard thriller i mean this is this is pretty by the numbers stuff with the science there as window dressing and nothing more. And I got to say, uh, for the first 45 minutes, it wasn't just bog standard stuff. It was boring as hell to me. It was just yeah. not going anywhere. I was like, wow, I mean, global warming. How do we make this one interesting? We don't. We don't. And well, it's because they, they make it a thriller, which is about a different yeah it's a different kind of thing because i i i never understood even by the end of the episode what exactly it was that publication would would fundamentally change people's understanding it's like okay so i and this is this is really this is really the bizarre part of it because it feels like the whole point is, once people see a climate model that shows we're all going to be underwater if we live near a coast, things will change. That is that is the MacGuffin throughout this whole darn episode. But there's just a couple problems with that. Well, probably a thousand problems with it. But, I mean, two of the biggest ones were, we already knew that, yeah. right? I mean, this is, so, this is so, not yeah. shocking news. And two, then they throw that away. By having the news conference and then basically hood poo poos it. Yeah, well, it's not really going to change anything. Maybe someday. So it's like, wow. Well, okay. Oh yeah. That, that is, is that is ultimate. That is ultimately the pro- problem with the concept, which is that this this secret is going to turn the tide on global warming, and that's the reason why these people don't want it pu- published. Except we know that it's not going to turn the tide on global warming because that's that's not a realistic proposition. But I've never, I've never worked out during the course of the episode what it is that is that is supposed to be novel and, and new in here, because that affects how it is that it could pose a, th- well, not just that it could pose a threat, but that it could be shut down. Because you think, well, if 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 you're yeah. not talking about a, a, a an, an actual data set that is hitherto un you know unknown it's it's something that somehow adams uniquely has access to okay well that's pretty daft okay so maybe it's not that maybe it is just he's come up with this model as you say this model that demonstrates exactly how 
serious the effects of global warming are, in which case we're basically talking about something that he has programmed to be able to run, as far as we can see, to be able to run on a fairly standard computer, right? Um, certainly there's nothing special that, about I think the computing the, equipment. I think the key he, here is that, that the model had to be run on the main servers or machines back at the Environment Institute. So he was, he was probably because of CPU capacity or, or complexity. So this is an okay, older so, client so, server model that we don't use much anymore, but... These offloads. Well, no, fair, everything else runs. We still the would use. I can understand them using that for a model of this sort. Universities still do have supercomputers. The point would be, this supercomputer is not unique. Right. He so, could get it somewhere else. Yes. If yeah. He could get so, the programs to it. Yeah. So it. So actually, and and this, 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 there are kind of hints of this in the script. Maybe this was the original story, and it's been just rewritten without do you care to kind of try and make the new version of the story make sense but if it's if it's a question of saying well he has he's he's written he's written this modeling software that that will run on a supercomputer and it's running on the the institute supercomputer the institute Which has saying, the data we 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 own the ip on this and therefore we are not going to let you share it with anyone else but also we're not going to let anyone see the results of that modeling and you can see how what he might need to do would be then get a copy of the program that he has written get it to someone who can run it on another supercomputer where they would actually be you know they would they would produce the results or whatever that they could then get verified and shared i mean my guess is that the data also resides on the environment institute computer that would be a huge massive data set and well, okay. you would have yeah. to true it and you'd have to, uh, you know, that that is kind of and then they, they extrapolate based on that. So, I mean, it's not just straightforward of running it to somebody else who's got a cray. You you have to you'd have to you'd have to work at it to get to that point. But but it, that but notwithstanding, but it, but do, it could be done. It, yeah, exactly. That I mean, I guess that I guess that's the point. And and that in that case, you can see. You can see what the potential difficulties are, which is which are the institute not willing to allow you to get it off the server, and also anyone else is going who looks at it, or they're they're going to get into all sorts of legal difficulties, quite boring legal difficulties, probably. Yes. Certainly not going to be a thrilling story. But the point about what you're doing there is you're is you're getting the data and a model off one machine and getting it to run another machine, and none of this kind of publishing shenanigans comes into it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, you know, I, I, while I was, well, one watching this, I, I absolutely got this huge Doom Watch Winter Angel feel, uh, as mentioned earlier, and I remember oh. us talking about yes. Well, I was just going to say, in Winter Angel's defense, it's still about it's still about science being misused. You know, it's about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's pretty rubbish, but it's about applying the whole, you know, theory around black holes to trying to trying to, you know, generate electricity with one. But it is not. Whereas. But it's not Doomwatch. In other words, it has no it it doesn't feel in any way, shape or form like Doomwatch. You could put any other name on it, change Quist and change the name Doomwatch in the context of the episode. And you would never know it was a Doomwatch episode. I don't feel. I don't entirely agree. I don't entirely agree about that because what 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 is going on there is essentially coming back to this idea of a a kind of government science ombudsman looking out for the private misuse of well, public or private misuse of uh, in the application of science. So yeah, I I think that's that's the essence of doom watch and i think if we want the show to be reinvented which we do you've got to allow for the possibility that it's not going to feel be... exactly like a show from 1970 but, okay so here, here here's ultimately where i was going on in the difference um because winter angel was about oh my gosh nuclear right this is this is kind of th- that that Thing. And this is, hmm. oh my gosh, global warming, and oh my gosh, virus containment, and oh my gosh, cloning. No, it's right. Well, but but hmm. but the original Doom Watch. It here's the difference. I I feel Kit Peddler obviously 
read science. He was a scientist. He read science. He had an interest in science. And he looked at who knows where he got the information from. Science journals or or Scientific American or a New Scientist or, you know, whatever he was getting the information from. He was finding things that were probably on page 23 in a small article and going, ah, that. And it, I don't know that, but I'm, this is, this I, is how it feels. I just wondered if he'd written a sort of... A no, 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 no. This, this, but, but here it looks like they're pulling... So there it looks like he's pulling the topics from science and stuff that's not well known by the public. And here it looks like they're pulling it from the front pages of the Guardian, right? The, the, they're they're not that's they're not shocking. That's not this is not stuff that isn't absolutely in the public consciousness at some level. Maybe not the urgency, maybe not the but you know the SARS pandemic, the the things about cloning. These are things that have made the mainstream press. Whereas things like plastic eating viruses and and other things like that were not. Uh, up to the elevator, and I and I feel like Peddler's job was to try to elevate those things, and I feel like these guys are trying to use the trappings of those things to tell relatively pedestrian detective stories, and I that's and I think that's where the the spark is missing here is that this isn't. I mean, I did a little bit of research and a very poor amount of research prior to this, but, but it, the giveaway is right here in the actual episode when they use the word Kyoto and well, what's Kyoto. And it's like, well, it's the, the global, or actually Rachel even knew what it was, the Kyoto protocol to a, to a degree. This is not, this is, this is not obscure knowledge, right? This is, this is high profile. If not, being treated correctly at the time this episode was written. But if this had been a topic that was being discussed at, in other circles, not in the public domain, I, that would be a more suitable topic for the idea of Doomwatch alerting us to the doom impending in our future. And I just find these guys are not putting interesting takes on these, I hate to say pedestrian, but kind of pedestrian topics like eh, all right global warming and was it about global warming because the name of the episode is cryptos and there's a heck of a lot of stuff in here about codes and encryptions and passwords and stuff right i mean why is this called cryptos well i still don't know the, i still don't know the answer to that i mean i it's a subjective point of view but i agree i agree that the the scientific slant on this is is less interesting um I guess objectively you could in some way measure whether or not the ideas in each show are mainstream or not, but I, I don't know exactly how you'd measure what counts as mainstream. But I get, yeah, I guess that's an interesting idea. You know, someone wants to do a PhD thesis on doing I'm guessing much. inches in newspapers is probably... Could, could do that, a... yeah, could do that. Because, because it's, I mean, that kind of thing is very, very difficult for me to judge because I don't know really what was being discussed in newspapers in 1970 because I wasn't around to read the newspapers in 1970 and well, it's you know, very I, difficult to identify these things in retrospect. It's hard enough to really remember which things had already become mainstream ideas by 2006. For, I know, for that, that is, that is a problem. Let, let me give you an example of something that, that I, I vividly remember and which, you know taking into account how memory works. But in the 70s and into the 80s, I used to subscribe to a, a couple of magazines that well, Starlog is one, and then they had one called uh, Darn Stars, Future, Future, something, Future, something. Future, maybe it was Future, and, and also Omni, which was by a completely different group. And somewhere, somewhere in one of those, I can remember seeing a very, very small article because even Starlog, which was about science fiction, occasionally had like a page where they talked about a bit of science. And maybe that's where I'm just drawing my mind. But anyway, one of this of this ilk of magazine, very small article about somebody coming up with the idea of plastic eating virus to destroy the world's 
plastic and recycling. And it was very, very small. And that was the only kind of place you would see that in the lay, the lay press. And I remember many, many years later seeing it in a newspaper story talking about how they had done this. I thought, well, I re- gosh, this isn't news. I've known about this for 10 years. Or I'd heard about this 10 years ago, but, but you know, something caused it to get bumped up to the level of getting into a regular paper, whether it's the science editor just thought it was interesting and they had it when they had science editors and chucked it out there. I don't know. But right, Doomwatch was before I saw it in Starlog or Future or Omni. Years before it, and so I mean, how, yeah. How, the, 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 there's an there's an interesting point there when you talk about science editors in 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 the mainstream press because I think another another difference that you you could just do a comparison on column inches, but I think there will there will be a change in time owing to the fact that again my subjective impression, but the importance of science editors in the mainstream press and the quality probably has perhaps been marginalized oh yeah and so 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 the 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 number of column inches may be a reflection of the fact that the focus of the media has shifted away from this stuff but it it may it may but then on the other hand there is an awful lot they they like to give a lot of now anyway there's a lot of uh, inches that go to talking about global warming in some capacity whether it's denying it or whether it's you know in in talking about the importance of it or complaining about teenage activists or or whatever it happens to be but it it has more mind share and i i genuinely don't know what the mind share was in 2006 but the fact that they already were you throwing around kyoto protocol as something I, that, I believe that was newsworthy to the level of the general public anyway that it would have been put in front of them whether or not they read it and cared was another is another story entirely but it it just it just really doesn't feel like these guys are digging very deep for these i i ideas. so di- digging really digging deep is uh, digging deep and superficial it that's resonating with me i i mean i'm not saying you're wrong about the mainstream stuff i my impression is you're right, um, but I, you know I just don't know. But but in terms of the the kind of depth and the approach to these stories, well, actually, you know, going back to season three of of Doomwatch, a lot of that was about the dangers of the 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 the, the, envi- the environmental threats being being posed back then. But they were quite they explored a number a number of them and from different angles with some depth whereas actually particularly by the time you get to 2006 just climate change and you know change in sea level mm-hmm. it's very very broad you you, they even, you could yeah you you could afford to drill down onto some particular aspect of that if you were fo- if you were more focused on the science and i don't I don't know if it's entirely about having someone like Kit Peddler involved in the writing team because all those season three stories were after um, Kit Peddler and Jerry Davis had stopped working on Doomwatch, I True. believe. So True. They, they, I mean, even though arguably the, the emphasis on the show had shifted, it's still, to my mind, it's still got a far more science focused it's, it's far more the, willing to delve into it in considerable detail it's in the dna of the show does. at that point yeah i get I, yeah I, I guess it is but i i mean i come back to the fact that at the end of the day this is a thriller that isn't even interested in the accurate portrayal in the way that re, you know it's all about research being published and it doesn't even portray the way research is reviewed and published accurately yeah uh i i'll, I'll throw something out here it's complete and absolute <clears throat> almost non sequitur because it's a, a, a one of those strange coincidences that that just that just kind of happens but it, it has to do with the comment about how Doomwatch would look at things from different angles and how honestly i mean 
Oh, we're having bad storms, global warming. Oh, you know, this, global warming. Oh, sea level islands, global, you know, it, it all get lumped into this very large, incredibly complicated thing in the mindset. So I was, happened to watch, did you have the TV show, did you see the TV show In Search Of in the UK? It's a 1970s show hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Well, I'm aware of it because... You're aware of it, yeah. Okay. Uh, I I won't put, put it this way. I did, I'd never even heard of it before you started sharing it with me, so... Um, oh, I think I did post. I did post a few uh, uh, reviews of some of the early episodes on on Fusion Patrol as well in writing. But um, uh, there is a very, very infamous episode of from I think 1978 called "The Coming Ice Age," and this episode, and I watched it very, very recently, puts out what from a science from a from a t- person watching a TV show, a lay person watching a TV show, is a very compelling argument that we're about to freeze over because of the Ice Age that's coming. <laughs> and this, this, this show and a couple of things that were a little bit older than that, uh, and a, a, I think a cover story in Time or something from a few years earlier, uh, are frequently used by the forces of evil, uh, the climate denial denialists, <laughs> Uh, to say, well, see, scientists don't know what they're talking about. In the 70s, we were, the Earth was going to freeze over, and now, you know, it's going to... It's like they don't know what they're talking about. You know, typical uh, 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 rhetorical technique to try to discredit uh, a position. But the, the, the funny thing is, when the episode of In Search Of came out, actually, the tide was already... This was not a settled issue. This, is, this has to do with the way that the television show was made. The people that they interviewed because it was very much already shifted towards a different position they in addition to just the cycles of the earth because we always have those there was also a big climatology debate about the different facets of how mankind could impact the environment and so like sulfides pollutants um cool the atmosphere and and carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases warm it and so there were there were debates legitimate debates about which one was going to win out in this and that's that's the you know more of the in the weeds kind of thing that i could see Doomwatch looking at the various facets of that and saying well you know we've got to worry about sulfide thing which could cool the atmosphere and also produces uh acid rain and <laughs> Or, you know, carbon dioxide, which could do this. I, I, it, it just feels like the kind of level of, you know, it's, it's a, a multifaceted problem and it's very complex. And none of that. Now we get none of that. And, and not just, I'm not just picking on this show. I mean, we just don't get that now. It's like, oh, greenhouse gases, global warming. It's gonna, you know, oh, bad thing happens, global warming. And we've we've dumbed down the discourse, and we've certainly not looking at the details and the 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 facets of the problem. And the facets are fascinating, and I almost wonder if those two words have a similar similar root in Latin or something, which never occurred to me before. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> are facets fascinating? And does that like, anyway? Th- that's where I was going for. I just I I was feeling that because I happen to be watching that that in search of which like I say is very infamous about the uh, 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 being used to this day by people as as being and it was you know it was a well done episode it was put together very well by a, a, a scientist I don't know if you call him distinguished but I mean he academy award nominated for science work and stuff so I mean it, it's like you go on just television's a powerful medium. Television is a powerful medium for shifting opinion, and and Eleventh Hour is not doing a good job of of getting there. <laughs> it's because it's just so uh, facile uh, uh, and and late to the game. I think is the other part. Uh, yeah, that's all I have I to say on that. That's my my divergence. I, I I don't think that Eleventh Hour is late to the game. I don't think 15 years after it was broadcast, there is 
any less need for something that is willing to delve into these ideas. I also think that there is evidence in the first two episodes that this is a show that is concerned with the public understanding of science. And that's that's really what interests me about it. So, for example, looking at the kind of smallpox stuff, it does touch on some things that I don't think... I mean, it's we discussed the fact that it's stuff that is now in the popular consciousness for obvious reasons in recent months. But at the time, it wouldn't necessarily have been stuff that people would have considered or thought about. Well, and SARS, right? I mean, it's. The, I feel like that's a knee-jerk no, reaction to what was happening with no. SARS. I, that, I, that's I, why I, they got I, the I think, idea. I'm, well, of course, I'm that's guessing. where they got the idea from. But... but in the, I mean, the Doomwatch stuff is a load that all that is ripped from the headlines, and I don't see there's anything wrong with that. The point about it is they use it as a jumping off point to try and explain things about the way in which viruses like that might spread, about what the potential issues are, about the ways in which it might be contained. I think that there is some distraction from that because i thought I, f I felt the ending of that one veered off from really driving the story from th from that to to driving the story from the kind of erratic um behavior of some of the characters they're trying to derive suspense from the kind of standoff over holding the smallpox vaccine hostage and to me that's a lot less interesting nevertheless that that that's a story that that starts out with i think a desire to explore some facets of a scientific issue <laughs> that would not have been that wouldn't that, that would not have been considered by the itv primetime audience i mean this is not this this is not a niche channel this is this is mainstream television and i think that's you know that's that's where Doomwatch was in 1970. That was the point. It was on BBC One at prime time. So that, again, this is a prime time show, and I think you've got to start from where people are, but you've got to try and move them forward. And I'm going to give I'm going to give the show credit for doing that. But the episode that we're discussing, Kryptos, doesn't appear to have any interest in that whatsoever, because they don't they don't explore in any depth any facet of global warming as we have discussed and they don't they don't take the opportunity to even look at the way scientists and scientific research works or how it would be brought to bear on trying to highlight or resolve a problem i mean resolution is a bit much but if you if you narrowed it down if you identified some particular accelerant of the global warming process and how that could be mitigated then maybe there would be something there but no it's not interested in that what it's interested in is portraying scientists as geeks who pour, who set each other these oh yeah that was puzzles, terrible pour over them into the night and then kind of make pronouncements like ah oh, sigma to the power of four that that really really annoyed me because yeah what are we, what are we i mean even a, a vaguely scientifically literate audience what are we supposed to understand sigma to the power, power of four to mean there's no context for someone to even understand what it is that hood is doing at this point whereas if if you'd had him puzzling over something or you know just there yeah. is the opportunity for him to explain some actual real science here to us he's got rachel there Rachel, I like the fact that she's heard of Kyoto. I like the fact that she's not as thick as two short planks. Yes, well, I don't want to portray stereotypes of of police officers. Um, you know, she she she's an, she she's an intelligent police officer, but she's not got the kind of scientific background and understanding because it's not right. her specialism, and that's fair enough. And that's an opportunity. Like, you know, the Doctor Who setup, she's the companion who is proxy for the audience when it comes to explaining the scientific stuff. And they've got a setup like that and they do not use it. Yeah. I will say this, though, while we're on the subject of Rachel, I appreciate the fact that she was not an incompetent like she was last week. I agree. You know, um, she actually 
was doing her job. She was, uh, there, there's a, a, a weird continuity problem in this episode. That's not entirely her fault, but, or it's not her <laughs> fault. It's the, it's the writers, not but yeah, I mean, there is, there is, okay. There's a scene where she locks him up in a hotel. She takes him somewhere and says, here, stay here and write. And then she goes off to investigate. And, and then apparently they're at the house using the computer in the basement. And that didn't make any sense to me at all. <clears throat> That's not her, but that just, that just speaks of them not, you know, staying hidden like they were supposed to. But I, I do have a problem with Rachel in this episode. Again, it's not her fault because she didn't write the episode. But I, I appreciated the fact that in episode one, we got a character whose motivation and skill set and role within the show was all pretty clear. She is a special branch protection officer. She's, she's not just been put there, you know, because she was friends with someone or she's obviously very good at doing it as well are so, you are you so we've let got me ask are you going there to the point where she's doing the undercover work as being out of her remit yeah she's okay. she's she's acting like she's she works for mi5 that that that's not that's not what she is she she's special yeah. branch protection right and i take your point i it, it's it's a it's a whole other branch of you know it that now we're talking about the security service we're not even i it it it's a it's a it's a completely different skill set and actually it it's part of so i've criticized this episode first of all because it is a a thriller an eco thriller but a thriller first and foremost and it's not driven by the science in it but i'm now going to criticize the episode because it is a bad thriller <laughs> the and it's not just because because you know Rachel behaves in an odd way. It's also because other people behave in strange ways. Like like when when they first rock up and and they they see Richard Adams in the road, and then it's not quite clear because of the shoddy continuity in the episode where he goes. But they they then turn up at his house, and the first thing they do is smash a window, which doesn't seem terribly proportionate. So I don't understand what what their motivation is in that moment, what the urgency is. There's a later scene where where um, Hood and Mrs. Adams, whatever her name was, uh, um, do, go, 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 yeah, so, so they've, 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 Rachel is off, I've forgotten what she's doing, but she's around somewhere, and they go back to the house, and they discover that someone has, uh, has broken in. And so they rush into the house. Mm-hmm. Whereas you'd think, well, one thing you would normally do at that point would be you would contact the police. And given that you have your own personal police officer dedicated to your security... And a panic button. just Yeah, who is just, you know, you've just left her over the hill. You'd probably go and get her. So that seems pretty strange. Uh, the speed at which the men in black then suddenly yeah. arrive oh i mean you've you've pointed out another continuity error i didn't even spot but it doesn't surprise me because it was they they were just they were just piling up this is this yeah. is not a well-constructed thriller yeah i I'll, I'll say this also in rachel's defense or if you wish in the writer's defense when the bad guys were chasing them in the car and she drove out on the beach I turned to my wife and I said, well, this chase is over because that four-wheel drive can do this and that Volkswagen cannot. <laughs> it's like it's a beach. I mean, it's, that's, that is the whole point of having a four-wheel drive vehicle. I know for most people it's just to run the kids around and use up lots of gas but uh, and, and set up for that gas guzzler joke. But, you know, and I, despite I the fact that it was a Range Rover... Joke. Uh, despite the fact that it's a Range Rover, which, you know, are notoriously awful cars because eh, British Leyland or whatever, whoever makes them now. Um, but, yeah, it's just like they should be able to just lose that car in no time because that's a beach. And, and you know, the Volkswagen may have been four-wheel drive. That, that, that may or may not be true, but it's still just from the whole 
the whole situation. It's like you finally have a situation where that thing should shine. And there you go. <laughs> go up. So I, I like that. Let's see. Was there anything else? Oh, yeah. There was the incredibly pointless and why did we bother story about Jillian and Hood's past. Just added really nothing to this story. Well, I'm not sure anything added anything to this story. So I don't necessarily you the you that could have been interesting it wasn't right i don't think there's anything inherent in the plot i just don't think they managed to get anything out of it it's i mean it's a shame because you've got obviously we talked about the fact you've got patrick stewart in this you then got donald sumter who is excellent and yeah you should be able to construct something that is a little more engaging like like you, I I did actually find myself quite bored by this. Yeah. Um, just for the sake, the the most popular search result for the word cryptos as spelled is the sculpture made in 1990 that sits on the grounds of the Central Intelligence Agency in Virginia that was put together and has encrypted data on it and that people have been working to break uh i don't think it's some of it's been cracked maybe it has oh yeah no yeah no the entire message has not been cracked as of april 2021 but again it's like so this story is about cryptography we spend a lot of time on it but we don't really spend any there there's nothing there is no explanation there's nothing about cryptography. cryptography in the episode i i think the other thing that you're supposed to get from this, and I know this is an obvious smack you on the head, but I mean, I think what we're the real point of this is that corporations are evil, right? That they'll that they'll do anything to prevent science messing up their day. I think that's more of the theme to this than than the weird divergence about publishing data, and it just it just is all over the place, and it just makes no sense. Ah, it feels like there's it feels, you know, it doesn't just feel like there's three writers involved in this. It feels like there's seven writers involved in this and they didn't bother to talk to each other in in some cases. It's, it's just some ass. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily. I mean, it's hard because they don't really explain anything about cryptography, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't feel credible. You know, and, you they, know they get, they get very, very hung up on what the, there's there's a particular word they're going to unlock it that they're going to unlock it with, and I don't yes I and don't the, and really understand how that could be the case unless either it is a very simple cipher in which case why are you worrying about the word because actually you could just do this by counting, or it's a more complicated code in which case they need to work out what the code is not what the keyword is before they can get on right i don't think it's a keyword i i I, in watching this at first i thought we were going to play with you know at one point uh he is actually trying to do some sort of uh cipher work with the word kyoto but it's not it's just he's just guessing his password that's literally all it is he's just guessing the password that has been used to engage the encryption routines on this so it's okay. So it's not it's, really about cryptography. It's not, at all. but but they kind of pretend like it is. And, and uh, as somebody who doesn't understand cryptography might be thinking, "Yeah, I broke the code. I I got the password." It's like, no, you 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 guessed the password. That's not the same as breaking the code. You break the code, you have to be able to not know the password. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, yeah, it's I yeah, it, it just. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. Do you have anything else on this? I only just to touch on the on the kind of visual aspect again because I felt the the photography in this was just as bad as last week. It's it's as frenetic, but it's a different cinematographer. This this was Graham Frake last time. It was Ben Smithard. So I can't, you know, I can't lay the blame at the other guy's door because this appears to be some kind of house style and that's how they're required to shoot it but that that didn't make it any easier to watch 
nor while we're talking about the visual aspects of it did the computer graphics which is a personal bug <laughs> there <laughs> i i cannot understand why in a in a television show that is supposed to be realistic they can't actually shoot a real operating system why <laughs> why do they have why do they have to create these animations that just they just they don't make sense they don't make sense from a from a <laughs> A UX perspective. How is this interface supposed to communicate anything to the user? I mean, obviously, what it's actually doing is communicating stuff to the viewer. This is yeah. this is what's going on. But it, but the problem is, all that stuff would make it complete. If you if you actually, rather than worrying about what's going on in the plot for a second, you thought, how would how would I, as a as a an end user sit down and interact with software that does that well i have no idea because <laughs> it's giving you information that's completely useless and it's it's not behaving in any kind of way that would be familiar to the kind of software that we used to how, how do you feel about the scene scenes towards the end of jurassic park where the little girl identifies the operating system as unix and and have you seen that you've seen I've jurassic seen park surely. you've never seen well, jurassic park have... If I have, it was many years ago. I don't remember it. So in the in the books, you know, the operating system is all Unix, and there is mark, uh, you know, nerdy, nerdy computer stuff kind of in the book. And when it gets to the movie, they've got this sort of graphic representation of flying over a city and picking out the building you want to go to and to to select things or something. I, it's a very stupid abstract it made me groan when i saw it in the theater the first time but when the kid who they've transferred the computer skills to the girl because in the book the girl is absolutely useless and they split the two kids up and made the girl useful in this one uh she looks at this screen she goes this is unix i know this and then starts plunking away at the screen i'm like oh Oh, this is so bad. <laughs> That's how I feel about watching the, this. It it was just like, yeah, this is just this is just BS for visual on the screen. I do want to. I, I forgot. We have one other thing that they totally threw out there that has no apparent, truly meaningful. The Fibonacci sequence. Oh yeah. I actually I actually shouted that while I was watching it. When we saw all the shells, suddenly I'm going Fibonacci sequence. Of course. That's going to mean something. And then a few seconds later, Patrick Stewart came up with it. But it's like, okay, so you read about that in a book. And now you're going to incorporate it in your script. Which could have could have had something to do with the cryptography, but didn't. <laughs> right? It was like mathematical system that you could use for doing something in the encryption. But no, no, it had totally to do with i don't know i have no idea how they apply that to a climate model but i've no i've no i mean this i think the fibonacci sequence is absolutely fascinating it's just dandy yeah the mathematics around it is 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 terribly exciting and lovely but i don't see how it could be used in any way to drive plot in a in a show like this so I, I I I understand the desire to incorporate it, but the most I can imagine is that it's something that Adams, you know, understandably could be interested in and obsessed by, and so he might base a password on it, let's say. But the actual the cryptography itself that seems unlikely. And and you know that wasn't what he that wasn't what he did. He was and he using didn't anyway, yeah, exactly. yeah. He was using Fibonacci sequence to somehow drive his analysis of. The climate model, which makes no sense, none, none whatsoever. Except you're using nature to analyze itself. <laughs> wink, wink to the camera. We, <laughs> uh, hey, I got nothing more. Let's hope next week's is better than this. Next week's miracle. <laughs> uh, well, well, that's what we need. Yeah, they need a miracle to get pull this one out. All right. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. 
We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, Tokyo's weather takes a turn for the cold. And we ask the question, does the love of money lead to a rocket up your butt? As we look at the Ultra Q episodes... Tokyo Ice Age and Cunnigan's Cocoon. Come join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.